Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. It's such a beautiful day here in Tennessee. Hope it's great where you are. Maybe some of you are in the wintertime down under and you're freezing and cold. But we're lovely and warm here today. Anyway, last podcast, I was telling you about a prayer that we pray each day over all our family. And I, my mind went blank just at the time I was going to tell you. So I must tell you what it is today. And every day when we're having family devotions and we're praying for God's protection over all our family, we pray this prayer, Oh God, that you will keep them all from accident, harm, sickness and danger and all enemy attack, both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in every way. Amen. Now, that's just a little prayer that we love to pray. I don't know how it has come to be part of our family, but it has. I think it was even passed on from Colin's family because he used to pray it, and now it just continues. And uh, we were I was sharing about how God's protection had been upon our uh, granddaughters and the other girls in the car when they had the accident. And then Friday night, we had another accident in the family. Our grandson, Arrow, that's Evangeline and Howard's son. Um, Arrow was um, helping his brother and sister-in-law on their car and the radiator just blew up in his face and uh, it, it was um, pretty terrible. And uh, I think he wondered if he'd lost his eyes or whatever. He couldn't open them. And um, he was just in terrible pain. His whole face was burnt. And uh, so he just he, he just ran to a muddy puddle with stones and he was just scraping his face to just get this heat and burn off. And uh, apparently that was one of the best things he could do. And then they put his head in, uh, while the ambulance was coming, they put his head in a bucket of cold spring water and uh, they got a snorkel for him so he could keep his face under. And uh, that was very good too. And um, so eventually the ambulance came and took him to hospital where they scraped his face and, and uh, you know, that's pretty painful but he was put under for the with the highest painkillers you could get um, so that they could just scrape it all and so his face was down to the very just you know everything was gone and uh, but anyway God was good we were just crying out to God and praying for his miracle working power and uh, God was all over him and he was able to come home later that night and uh, so now he's just having to heal. Um, he looks even worse now than when it happened, but that's all part of the healing process. Uh, I think I, some of you may have seen a picture I sent out on Facebook and Instagram, and he looked pretty amazing there, but it looks worse now. But that's all part of the healing. But once again, we are praising the Lord for his wondrous protection 
God is so good because he has his eyes. They are perfect. And we just keep praying for his beautiful healing of his face. And uh, he's not allowed to go out in the sun for six months. So sometimes he has to and he gets an umbrella. But mostly he'll get out walking at nighttime uh, out of the sun. But how important it is to be praying over our children and our families for God's protection. I know that we, I know there are so many times when I don't even know about where God has protected our family as they are all now that we have not only, we have children and grandchildren and of course now little great-grandchildren, but our older children, they are flying and traveling not only all over this country, but all over the world. And God's uh, wondrous protection um, is upon them. And I believe we have a responsibility to pray that each day. Now, that's just a little prayer that we pray when we're all together. But Colin and I love to pray specifically for our children. And uh, we do that together. I believe that's a powerful thing, don't you? Do you pray for your children with your husband? I do believe that's one of the most powerful things that we can do as husband and wife. One of the wonderful things that I was so excited about when we got married was that scripture where it says, when two, uh, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. When we get married, we are two. But God says he makes us into one. So we have not only the promise to the two, but we are one together. We agree. We're made one. And so we have this powerful promise that the things that we pray, and especially for our children as husband and wife, God hears those prayers. And I want to really encourage you uh, to pray together as husband and wife. Now, perhaps you haven't been doing that with your husband. Perhaps your husband isn't one who even likes to pray much. But I think, you know, to really encourage him to do it. Now, don't tell him this is something you should do because then he won't do it at all. Men don't like to do things if you tell them what to do. But you can come to your husband and say, Darling, I've just been really feeling the need to pray for our children. I, I, there's so many different areas where they just, I just need God's help and, and, and they need God in their lives. Do you think that you could possibly pray with me just for the children once a day? And uh, hopefully he'll say yes, even if he gives a bit of a grunt and doesn't sound very excited. But even if he gives a little tiny affirmation and say, well, darling, when do you think would be the best time to do it? Because I'll do it whenever you are free. We can do it in the morning or in the evening. Just let, let's make a time. But you tell me the time. And, you know, you don't have to have a great big long length of time, but just to pray over your children, just to bring their names into his presence, even if you can just bring each one of their names 
before the throne of God. That would be so wonderful. But then, uh, if you would like, I do have a list of things that we love to pray for our children. And I have scriptures with each one because each one of them are a scriptural prayer. And you can email me, nancy, at aboverubies.org for those, and I'll be happy to send them to you. Let me just read them to you. Now, there's a lot of prayers here, and we don't pray these, all of them, every day. Sometimes we'll just take one or two and pray over them. You can look up the scriptures and you can pray those scriptures over your children and it becomes very, very powerful. Okay, here we are. That they will have a real born-again experience and come to know God personally. I believe that's our number one prayer. That our children have a personal born-again experience, and they come into a personal relationship with Jesus. If we are praying for this, we'll be looking out for that moment when our child is ready to make that step. I have talked with our families, with mothers, and their children are getting on 11, 12, and I've said to them, are they born again? And They've said, well, I don't know. They know about salvation, but, oh, we need to know, dear mothers. We must know uh, if our children are born again and if they have opened their hearts to Jesus. Now, I believe that children can do this at a very early age, especially in a godly family. Because in a, in a Christian family where you are reading the word every morning and every evening to your children and all the family are around and even the little ones. Maybe you're nursing your babe at the breast, but your little babe is hearing the word of God. Maybe you have a toddler and your husband has got your little toddler on his knee as you read a few verses of scripture into their lives. That word is going into them. You may think, oh, they don't understand much. They're so little. But that word is alive. That word has power to go into them. And the Bible says that word has power to bring them to salvation. Do you remember when Paul was writing to Timothy? And he said to Timothy, from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. That word child there is the Greek word brephos. And it's the same word that was used when Jesus was in the womb. It's used of a babe in the womb. It's the same word that was used where, and they, the angel spoke to the shepherds and said, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. And uh, so that word babe there was of a little newborn babe. And then often it's used for a little child. So this is talking about not older children, but young children. And even a young child can come to know Jesus 
if they are getting the word into them because that word prepares them for salvation. Even children of three and four can have a true born-again experience. Quite a number of my children came to Jesus and asked Jesus to come into their lives at four years of age. And that experience is still real in their lives today. They are still walking with God today in their 50s. And they remember that moment when they gave their lives to Christ. And so look out for that. Pray for it. Look out for it and give opportunities for it. And when you see that their hearts are tender, you can ask them, would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? Because when they have Christ in their lives, then he dwells with them and you are able to teach them how to live in victory when they are naughty and they get mad and upset. And you can tell them, now, listen, that's just your naughty flesh that's wanting to do that. But Jesus now lives in you. He's in your heart and he wants you to live like he does. Jesus, he is full of love and joy and he wants to do that in you he wants you to yield to him and say yes Jesus I will be kind to my brother I'm not going to get mad and yell at him because that's your naughty flesh but when you have Jesus living in you he will help you to be like him and so you are able to teach them how to live a godly life even from a little child. Why do we have to wait until we learn the secrets and the principles of the word of God? No, we teach them to our little ones right from when they are little. But let's get on with these prayers. We pray that they will have a soft and tender heart to hear and obey the voice of the Lord, that they will walk humbly before the Lord, that they will love the Lord their God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength, that they will love to read God's word and, and receive revelation and insight as they read. Such an amazing prayer to pray. So many children grow up today and they hear God's word at Sunday school, at church, but they have never learned to listen and to hear God speak through his word to them personally. This is something we have to teach our children. And when we have family devotions, family Bible reading, we say to the children, children, daddy is now going to read the Bible. But this is God speaking. I want you to listen with all your hearts and listen for God might have something special to say to you, something very important just for you. So be listening. And at the end of the few scriptures that you read, you can ask them, Now, did God say something to you in your heart and in your mind? And you'll be amazed if you teach your children to listen. What they will say to you, 
you'll find that God is speaking to them, especially as you get them into this habit. I believe it is one of the most important things we can do as mothers to teach our children how to hear God speak personally to them as they hear or as they learn to read and read God's word. In fact, we have to learn to do this for ourselves. Never rely on the Sunday sermon to get what you need from God. Let's get it fresh every day. They had to go out and get the manna every day. And if they didn't, and they thought, oh, goodness, we didn't have time to get the manna today, but oh, well, we can use some of yesterday's. No, they'd go to get some of yesterday's and it would be stinking and breeding worms. God never allowed it to last till the next day. They always had to get it fresh. God wants us to get fresh words from him every day. And you can get them and you can teach your children how to get them as you listen to his precious word that's alive and active and works in our hearts. When I read the word, I read every word that and I'm, I'm believing and expecting God to speak to me through every word. Sometimes it's just one word in the middle of a verse, but that one word will speak to me. As that beautiful worship song says, Oh, I don't want to miss one word you speak. And so when we hear or when we're reading God's word, we don't want to miss one word he speaks. Let's get our children into this habit, okay? That they will love to pray and be committed to prayer. Do your children love to pray? Teaching them to pray? How do you teach them to pray? By praying. That's how you teach them. Best way to learn to pray is just pray. They learn as they hear you pray. That they will be committed to the regular gathering together of God's people course that's your habit I am sure I trust that you are a family that are committed to meet with the Lord's people whether you meet on a Sunday or a Saturday you're committed to that meeting of God's people as the word says that we will not forget the assembling or not forsake is the word not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I believe that we show to our children our personal commitment to God by our being committed to his people, by being committed to at least the minimum one service a week. Help. That is pitiful, really. I can remember when we grew up as children, back in our day, we went to our church three times on Sunday. We went to our morning service as a family. We sat as a family. Back in those days, we never had, oh, time for children to go out for Sunday school or children's church. Oh, no. The whole family sat together. We came as families. We worshipped as families. 
And if you read the word, you will find that everywhere where God calls his people together, he doesn't say, okay, I want all the adults to come, but I want you to separate the children. No, he says, come as families. We read that passage in Joel where he says he wants them to come to pray and to fast. You would think when there is a time of serious fasting and praying, oh, you could imagine the pastor saying to his congregation, now, folks, we've got this serious issue. We've got to pray and fast. We want you to come. Now, this is so serious. You're going to have to get babysitters. You're going to have to leave the children at home. We've got to get into business with God. Well, if that's what he says, it's unbiblical. Because when God calls his people to pray, even to fast, he calls the, oh, the children, the little ones, the nursing mums. He calls them all, the suckling babes. Yes, everyone has mentioned the little toddlers and the suckling babes and the children. God longs for us to do things together as families and the most important thing we can do is worship together as a family. So let's do it as families. And uh, so that's a wonderful thing to do. And uh, okay, that they will love righteousness and hate evil. That they will stand strong against the wiles of the devil and never compromise. That they will hate the spirit of this world and not give in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Amen. But I've just remembered, I didn't finish telling you my story. That's right. I was saying how back in our day, we used to go to church three times a day. I only got up to the morning service and we would fellowship, worship um, as a family and hear the word together as a family. Then we'd all go home for lunch. Then... Us children would walk back to church and we'd walk. We didn't get our parents. They didn't take us in the car. No, we weren't kind of just wimpy back in those days. We walked and it was well over a mile, maybe a mile and a half, two miles. We walked back to Sunday school. And so there we had our Sunday school. And uh, so after Sunday school, we walked back home again. And then we had the evening service. <clears throat> and so we had it three times a day. That was life. That was Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. We didn't go shopping. We didn't go out and do our own thing that day. That was for the Lord. In fact, back in that day, can you even believe it? Even the shops didn't open on Sunday. Can you believe that? I guess if you were younger, you can't even believe that there, were there was a time when shops didn't even open on Sunday. But no, no shops were open, even for the secular people. The secular people didn't open shops on Sunday back then. And now, today, well, Christians, they just go shopping on Sunday. But anyway, so we got to the next generation. And my husband and I have been pastoring all our lives since we were married. And so, I have to confess, we were kind of degenerating a bit because we only had two services as we raised our children. We had our morning service and then we had our evening service. And that was it. Okay, two services. But now, can you believe it? And I have to confess 
and really, I feel it is so sad that now we've got down to one service. Now this next generation, the third generation, we have our Sunday morning service, which is such a beautiful time. And, but then, that's all we have. Well, we have a prayer meeting midweek, and of course, churches always, all over, have always had a midweek prayer meeting. But isn't it amazing? We're now down to the one service, and that is becoming typical with so many churches, and I don't know how it is that we've even succumbed to this, but we have. But what gets me, what I can't understand, is that we only have one service, and yet, even for one service, sometimes people don't come. Oh, well, something else happened. Oh, I think we'll go on a picnic today. Oh, somebody came to visit. Oh, well, that's more important than meeting with God and his people. I beg your pardon. What are we saying to our children? We are saying to them, okay, children, uh, this little incident happened. or Okay, but it's more important than God, more important than meeting with his people. And so we just do that. And we can arrive late, oh, even half an hour late. And what's that? I'm only just going to meet with God. What's that? But they'll never be late for work. They'd get fired. And so we are so lax, even about one service. Oh my, we have degenerated, haven't we? There is a statement that says that one generation is uh, a generation away from degeneration. And I believe it. I mean, it's happened in my lifetime. And uh, so this is one of my prayers. Yes, that our children will be committed to the regular gathering of God's people. And as they get older, they will not deviate from it. Sadly, sometimes as they get older, they can tend to deviate from these biblical principles. And so we, how we have to pray. Okay, so let's carry on. You can understand why we can't pray all these prayers every day. We'll just take a few each day. But they will hate lies and deception and seek after truth. That they will shine as lights in this dark and deceived world. That they will understand true justice and have discernment regarding good and evil and the holy and the profane that they will seek God with all their hearts, that they will keep their whole spirit, soul and body pure and blameless for the Lord, that they will keep themselves from evil, that their faith will not fail, that God will pour out his spirit upon them mightily, that they will become laborers in God's harvest field, that they will keep themselves pure and holy, body, soul and spirit, for the man or the woman that God has chosen for them. That's an important prayer. That in this lustful world, our children will keep pure and holy, ready for that one who God has for them. 
and that God will even now prepare them for a godly wife or husband who will be committed and faithful to the marriage to the end of their lives, that they will love and embrace children and establish a godly home. Now, all these prayers that I've just said, there's scriptures to go with them all, and you're so welcome to email me for them if you'd like a copy. Well, ladies, back to our series of how to change the world. We've still got five more points to go. I've got 20 points. Can you believe it? We've been taking so long to get through this. But of course, if we're going to change the world, it's going to take a little bit of time talking about it, isn't it? We're up to number 16. And this is joyfully mothering. We have talked about diligent mothering and abounding in mothering. But this scripture I'm going to read talks about joyful mothering. Psalm 113 verse 9. He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Notice it doesn't only say to be a mother of children. No, God puts in one of his adjectives, which he loves to do. And the adjective for mothering is joyful. <coughs> joyful mothering. We talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the 25 points of the different ways God wants us to work in our homes. And one of those ways is to work joyfully. Here it's talking about mothering joyfully. Are you joyful today? Filled with joy? Overflowing with joy? Or are you going through a bit of a self-pity trip? You're feeling miserable, downcast, got a bit of depression going there. Oh, darling mothers, please rise up. Remember, God wants you to be a joyful mother. And it's the same word as Proverbs 16, 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. To have a cheerful countenance and put a smile on your face uh, really starts with your heart. But sometimes, if your heart's not there, you've just got to do it anyway. Because when you put on a smile, then it does something to your heart and your whole body. You just try it. Maybe you're feeling, after you've listened to this podcast, well, I don't think you will be depressed by then. You can't be. But if at some stage you get tempted to feel depressed and get into that self-pity trip... I want you to try something. I want you to put on a smile and just look at one of your children and say, Oh, I love being your mother, Abigail. You are such a blessing to me. And just say it with the biggest smile on your, on your mouth and on your face and your eyes are squinting with your smile. Now, you're not going to feel so depressed. You can't speak good things, happy things, and you can't 
make your face go into this big smile and still feel lousy. No, because when you do something, when you speak and when you do an action with your body, it affects how you feel. Okay? Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. It's like health. It gives you a fix. And do you remember, I talked about that scripture in 1 Kings 1, uh, verses 39 and 40, where it tells the story of Zadok anointing Solomon to be king. And it says, all the people followed him, playing flutes and rejoicing with such a great joy that the earth split open from the sound. Can you believe that? Earth splitting joy. Now, that was a lot of people joyful together. But when all these people were joyful together, it split the ground. Now, that is exactly the same word that is joyful in our scripture. He makes us to be a joyful mother of children. Now, ladies, we are talking about how do we change the world? Can I tell you, bland, boring, downcast mothers don't change the world. They're a bad testimony to the world. But joyful mothers will change the world. As joyful mothers go out to the supermarkets and out into society with their children as they take them to different things, when they have a smile on their face and they're full of joy, they will impact the people around them. Feminists have no comeback for joyful mothers. What can they say? There is no argument. When there are joyful mothers who are embracing their career of motherhood, knowing that this is the greatest career that God has given to them, that it is the most powerful career in the whole of the nation, for there is no other career that can even uh, get near it. I mean, others may think they are in some very important career, but it is only temporary. It's only for this world. It's going to burn up. It's going to fade. It's going to be left behind. But motherhood is an eternal career. It goes on in it to eternity. The children God gives you are eternal souls who are going to live forever. And the teaching and the love and everything you pour into them is going into them and will go on even into eternity. And as you pray and as you lead your children to a born-again experience and to know Jesus, you will take them into the eternal realm with you. It is so powerful. And of course, not only for the eternal realm, but for this nation. Look, it's us mothers who determine, determine the future of the nation. Who, who is the next generation? It's our children. And they become the nation. So it's how we train them that determines what the nation will be like. 
Dear mothers, you wield the greatest power of anyone in the nation. You're determining what the nation will be like for the next generation. So let's embrace it with all our heart. Be filled with joy. We know we are in the perfect will of God. We can rejoice and we can go out into into society with a smile on our face. Yes, because we know who we are. And what does society, what does our humanist, feminist, socialist society have to say? They have nothing to say when mothers are joyful and they know who they are and they know that they're changing the world and they're preparing a a righteous generation for the future. Can you say amen with me? Yes, become a world-changing, joyful mother. You can definitely affect not only your children, but generations to come and society all around you. Amen. All right. How are we going for time? What's our time? Oh, we've got a few minutes. All right. Let's get on to our next point. And it is number Let's see, it's number, that was number 16. And now we're up to number 17. Delighting in God and his word. God not only only wants us to acknowledge him, but to delight in him. God not only wants us to do his will, but to delight to do his will. God not only only wants us to own Bibles, and I'm sure you've got a number of Bibles in your home, but he wants us to delight in his word. Let's look at some scriptures. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Do you notice what it says? It doesn't say to delight yourself in the things that you are coveting and wanting and think you so desperately need. No, it says delight yourself in the Lord. As you delight yourself in him, God will give you the things that you need. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yes, your law is within my heart. Now that's a statement that we can say before the Lord, but do you know who said that statement? It was Jesus himself. Psalm 40 Uh, is a prophetic psalm. These few scriptures uh, in this passage, they're prophetic. And uh, let me, I've got it written here, but I want to turn to it and read a little bit more from it there. Okay, let me go to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. And it's Jesus himself speaking. He is already in the eternal realm. He has not yet come to earth. This is prophetic. And verse 6 says, Sacrifice 
an offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. And Jesus is speaking here and saying, in the volume of the book, in the eternal writings, it is written that I will be the lamb. I will be the sacrifice. I will be the one who will have to die and shed my blood so that I can redeem a people unto myself. But instead of just wondering how will I do this, how can I leave the eternal realm, how can I go to this sin-sick earth and, and die and take the sin and the sicknesses of the world upon me, how can I do it? Instead, he says, Oh, I delight, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Now, if Jesus could say that when he had to lay down his life, when he had to go through that terrible physical suffering, but more than that, the agony, the incredible agony that no one will ever know how to even put into thoughts or words of taking upon himself our sin and our sicknesses, he had to take upon himself the most evil thing that's ever happened in the world, the most excruciating pain that's ever happened to anyone. He took it all. He took it upon himself. God couldn't even look upon him as he took the sin of the world upon him. He did that for us, and he said, I delight to do your will, O oh my Father. Wow. We are in the will of God as we're mothering. And we have the joys of our darling children around us, the joys of a precious little baby and darling toddlers and children who are so incredible. I mean, every life is so amazing. And we have a home and we have all these tangible blessings. And I'm sure you've got a washing machine and a dryer and you've got a dishwasher maybe. And you've got this and you've got that and you've got furniture. You've got so much. You've got more than you ever need. And yet, many times we're groaning and complaining. Oh, let's be those who delight to do his will. Amen. And... Let's look at Psalm 1-2. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh, let's go back and read the whole psalm. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And what happens? And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall 
prosper. <clears throat> yes, that's when we delight in his word. Now, how much do you delight in his word? <clears throat> Often, I like to say to the folks who are all living in our house, and we have quite a number of folks living with us currently, and uh, they'll come out to breakfast and... and um, I'll say to them, oh, so what did you get from the word of God this morning? Remember, no Bible, no, uh, no Bible, no breakfast. That was the words that an old Chinese saint said. And he would always say every day, no Bible, no breakfast. He would not have any breakfast. He would not feed uh, his body until he fed his inner man. And so... I will say, okay, who got something very special as you read the word this morning? Most times nobody answers because they haven't even read the word. They're coming out for breakfast. They're coming out to get food for their bodies. But they haven't even got food for their souls. How much do we delight in his word? How much do our children see us delighting in his word? Do they see us making it a real habit to have our Bible reading time every morning and every evening? Or do we just let things come along and take over? And Oh, we haven't got time. Oh, we've got to do this. Oh, we don't have time for Bible reading. Oh, we haven't got time for this. Oh, this has happened. Oh, we've got to do this today. We don't have time. Do you know that Unless you make a precedent, unless you make it a habit, unless you make it a time and a place every day to have it, you won't have it. Because life just does that to you. Life just is so busy. Life just takes over our lives. But we are the ones to determine what happens, not let just life take over. No, we must determine. I, every morning, every evening, we establish our time at our table where we have our Bible reading and prayer. To me, it is the most important thing of the day as a family. So I make it happen. Other things can be forgotten. If we don't have time for other things, well, too bad. This is the most important. When we do this, we show to our children that we delight in his word, that it's more important than all the little things that we think are important that are going to take us away and rob us of this time. And really, it's the enemy who is doing it because he wants to steal that time from us. He wants to rob us. He does not want any family sitting down to Bible reading and prayer. He's going to try and stop it every way he can. So you have got to rise up in the strength of the Lord because you're not going to be a weak mother. You're going to be a strong mother. Yes, what does uh, um, Proverbs uh, 10, 30, 31 verse 10 say? Whoso findeth a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. That virtuous there means strong, courageous, valiant, this is the mothers that we have to be. Mothers aren't wimps. Mothers have to rise up in strength. And we've got to be strong to make happen in our homes what we know must happen. And therefore, we also show to our children that God is preeminent in our home. His word is preeminent. And if we let other things take over, 
we're saying to our children, children, God's word is not as important as this little thing that's happening or this thing I have to run to now. No, let's not be hypocrites. Let's let our children know that he is preeminent in our home, that his word is preeminent and that we are a family who seek God and we can't do without praying together and that prayer is more important than anything else we'll do in the day. Amen. Okay, I've got to stop because time is up. But next podcast, um, I want to talk to you about the scripture I've just read about meditating in his word night and day. Now, the word meditate in the Bible is quite different to what we think of it today. I'll tell you next time. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful goodness to us. We want to be a thankful people. Thank you for these lovely wives and mothers and grandmothers and children who are listening. Bless them. I pray that you will help each mother and grandmother to be a joyful mother. I pray, Father, that you will give us all such a heart to delight in you, to delight to do your will, a delight in your word, a delight to pray, a delight to seek your face, a delight in our mothering, because this is the career that you've given to us. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.